For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. Mediators World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana. This is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. Cocaine hippos are out of control in the jungles of Colombia and must be stopped. Although that previous sentence is technically accurate, there are no hippopotamuses snorting and chopping illicit drugs wearing pastel, loose-fitting shirts, gold chains, and rampaging through South America's waterways on souped-up cigarette boats. But if anyone from Adult Swim and the Cartoon Network is listening right now, consider adding Narco Hippos to your primetime lineup. I may not watch, but I'll know it's out there and be happy. I'm Dr. Steve Brewer. Welcome back to Check It Out, the show where we check things out. Guess what we're checking out today? Can you guess? Animals. Still, the real story is plenty wild. Pablo Escobar, possibly the world's most famous drug dealer, who in the 1980s reportedly spent $1,000 a week just on rubber bands necessary to hold together bricks of $100 bills, was a big wildlife fan. Unfortunately, he wasn't satisfied with going out to see the thousands of unbelievably cool species native to Colombia like the Pink River Dolphin or the Spectacled Bear. So he created a zoo at one of his ranches with animals from all over the world, giraffes, elephants, ostriches, as well as hippos, one male and three female. Once Escobar was killed and his empire crumbled, the hippos wandered out of the zoo into the nice, warm Colombian wetlands and made some baby hippos. Hippos begat more hippos, and now scientists believe there are more than 80 of the giant aquatic ungulates roaming across almost 800 square miles, with the population continuing to grow exponentially. As with so many non-natives, they are out-competing native wildlife and having a detrimental effect on the ecosystem. How ironic is it that in Africa, 
hippos are becoming more and more threatened, whereas in South America, they can't get rid of them fast enough. Culling them is unpopular, and castrating males costs $50,000 a pop and doesn't seem to slow population growth much, and definitely doesn't do anything for the resource. Some scientists, however, are viewing the Colombian hippo explosion as a kind of Pleistocene rewilding opportunity. Apparently, tens of thousands of years ago, a giant ungulate called the Toxodon roamed South America. About the same size as a rhinoceros, the Toxodon went extinct about 16,000 years ago and left a big hippo-shaped hole in the family tree of the Americas. That is, until Pablo Escobar came along. Maybe Escobar wasn't just a murderous, power-hungry cartel boss, but also a secretive and extremely ambitious paleozoologist. Remember, Chico, first you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the hippos. And then the hippos deforest the jungle, allowing sunlight down to the ground. And then they redistribute the seeds. And then, Chico, we see growth in the jungle that people have never seen before. In my mind, I thought I would go on with the accent and go into the deforestation theory and seed redistribution. Our theoretical Pablo, the casual paleozoologist, came up with, you know, because he has to sell the drugs to save the forest. But I won't bore you with that. This week, we've got Alberta coal, poaching roundup, ice fishing, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week, as well as this podcast, is brought to you by the fine folks at Steel Power Equipment. Battery, gas, and good old-fashioned human horsepower tools that last. No planned obsolescence. Good, dependable, you-can-earn-a-darn-paycheck-with-it type of stuff. Pick up some Steel Power Equipment today. All right, so everybody knows I'm back from Mexico. I'm slowly feeling the lard from the beans, rice, and tortillas drain from my veins. Because of this, I decided that I should get a fish fry in, so I joined a bunch of folks from Meat Eater HQ out on the ice and proceeded to catch one, as in one singular perch, that happened to be the biggest perch I have ever personally caught. That was awesome. It happened to be a female full of eggs, the roe sack looked, let's call it a creamy white. I tossed this in a bit of flour and cornstarch, then dropped it into beef fat at about 345 degrees. The finished product led me to believe that I could make a passable and quite possibly very good donut out of perch roe. Only hiccup here is, I am a terrible perch fisherman. So if you know the secrets of hard water perch fishing, depths, tips, tactics, please write in to ASKCAL, that's AskCal at TheMeatEater.com. Also keep in mind that Bozeman, Montana has zero ice fishing gear right now, so simple solutions are best. I'd like to thank both 13 Fishing and Aaron Schmidt, aka Schmitty, of Northwood Bait and Tackle in Bemidji, Minnesota for helping me out with some essentials. Moving on. Time to roll coal. Just kidding. But we are heading to the Alberta desk to talk about the changing coal policy. This is a topic that many, many listeners have written in on. Uh, a lot of fight, you Berta boys and girls. Here's the brief overview. 
past administration, 1976, developed a coal plan that broke the province's land down into four categories. Category one, land you are not going to get a permit on. Don't try. The place is off limits to mining. Category two, probably not going to happen. You can look around a little bit, but definitely off limits to open pit mining. Categories three and four, if you're paying attention to the trend, are lands that were designated as more and more suitable in some way for extractive use. Current administration has decided to revamp the 1976 coal policy starting at Category 2, and the Category 2 lands are where some great Alberta hunting and fishing opportunities exist, and where a lot of snowpack collects to recharge the groundwater farmers, grazers, and water-drinking communities depend on downstream. Selenium is bad for fish. Selenium is a common byproduct of coal mining and coal power. Selenium in the water affects the reproductive ability of fish. While it will cause death in adult fish, it commonly collects in the eggs. These headwater or mountaintop strip mining operations are in prime and more and more frequently the last holdouts for native fish species such as West Slope cutthroat trout, grayling, bull trout, and Alberta's only native rainbow trout. The wastewater has the potential to run the full course to the Hudson Bay through three different provinces. If you folks in Quebec start thinking, Mary, it'd be nice to go out to the mountains and catch some fish, tune in to the Bent podcast if you want the full fishing report. I know Joe Cermelli and Miles Nolte have an in-depth, bottom-bouncing fisheye view ready for your listening pleasure. So here's what we know. We know there are many more risks to the Alberta natural resources if open pit or strip mining is allowed in these Category 2 lands than if not. So if you are pro-mining or pro-mining job, that doesn't mean you are anti-fish or anti-clean water. You need to write in to your elected officials, or MLA in Alberta terms, and let them know that a higher standard of protection and regulation is demanded for the duration and eventual cleanup of all mining activities in Category 2 lands that include, but are not limited to, the Livingston Range, the Elk River, the Old Man, the Red Deer. If you are just flat out against this situation, then you need to contact your duly elected representative or MLA and tell them that you demand and expect a return to the 1976 coal policy and the protections of Category 2 land that went with it. Contact your duly elected officials, or in Alberta terms, MLA. If you want, you can figure all of this out by going to backcountryhunters.org forward slash Alberta underscore coal underscore mines. That's backcountryhunters.org forward slash Alberta underscore coal underscore mines. And you know what? Water issues are international issues. I'm in Montana. I'm not that far south of the border. I love Alberta. Love British Columbia for that matter. I'm going to call in. I'm going to write in and just let them know that I like to get up there and spend money on occasion. And maybe let them know that their grizzly bears are, you know, in need of a good pet. They're a little aggressive. Anyway, moving on. We're taking a quick stop at the new hunting opportunity desk. Oklahoma State Representative Justin Humphrey recently introduced House Bill 1648, which, if written into law, would create the first ever Bigfoot hunting season. 
While I'm always reluctant to turn down any kind of income for wildlife conservation, I think the success stats for this tag are going to be... Mm, less than good. Not that I'm surprised by Humphrey's bill. Not at all. Longtime meat eater collaborator Casey Brom called this long ago with his gnome tussling with a Sasquatch t-shirt. When Idaho starts selling unicorn tags, we'll be ready. My only concern with this Oklahoma bill is Bigfoot is supposed to be a 10-foot tall hairy ape with a brain and soul as sophisticated as ours. So what if, in response to House Bill 1648, all the Bigfoots open a hunting season on us? After all, if you have ever listened to the song Bigfoot Legend of the Mountains, which all proceeds go to the Bigfoot Scholarship Fund, there's a line in there that says, if you hunt Bigfoot, Bigfoot may hunt you. I mean, I'm telling you what you already know. Now, I've been told that the proposed tag is an actual capture alive tag that coincides with the Hanobia, Oklahoma Bigfoot Festival and Conference. Coming for the Bigfoot Conference? Don't forget to stay for the festival. Bigfoot hunting is hard work, serious work, but there's always time for a festival. If you want my opinion on this one, well-intentioned, but I don't see any positives coming out of this. Just some people with a fantasy validated by a real deal legal state hunting license and tag. <laughs> what could go wrong? Can't you see we don't want you anymore? Why can't you go back where you came from? Of course, if you do manage to capture a Bigfoot, remember to make sure that you tell them about the Bigfoot scholarship. Purchase of the song, not necessary to apply. Which of you listening right now took a class in school about Family Finances 101? No one? Yeah, me neither. Just like the importance of a will or college savings plan or even life insurance or estate planning, we have to know these things. But how do we figure it all out? That's why I'm excited to partner with Fabric by Gerber Life. Listen, one of the few things expected of you in life is to not let other people pick up after you. That's why I have life insurance, to make sure my stuff is taken care of even when I'm gone. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash cal. That's meetfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash cal policies issued by western southern life assurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions for all you elk hunters out there chasing turkeys is basically the same thing i know the reaction you just gave me but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without on x the hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground but i use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. 
Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Moving on. When you think of animals that hunt in packs, certain species spring to mind. Wolves, lions, chimpanzees, even maybe human beings and coatis. Until recently, with very few exceptions, fish were not on this list. Although feeding frenzy behavior can seem like sharks coordinating, in reality it's just a bunch of predators overwhelmed by the volume of prey and attacking whatever's in front of them. That's why the recent discovery of pack hunting behavior by electric eels in Brazil is so important. In 2012, researchers with the Smithsonian's Museum of Natural History found a previously undiscovered species of eel, Electrophorus volti, which has a stronger shock than any other animal on Earth. Most animals who stun their prey with electricity do so alone. Some eels use lighter electrical pulses to flush out their prey, essentially through the use of electric current getting the animal to give themselves away. They move without meaning to. Others just slide up to sleeping prey, send out a shock, and they dine. But in a recent study, scientists observed these eels in Brazil engaging in a much more complex behavior. First, the eels corral smaller fish into dense packs. Then in coordinated pulses, the eels send shocks into the pack with a total power estimated at more than 8,500 volts. For context, 7,200 volts runs down your standard power line and is far more than enough to kill a person. This shock stuns dozens of prey fish at a time. The eels then eat their fill, wait a bit, then repeat the process. This is a truly amazing thing to watch. The tetra fish popping out of the water in one video look like packing peanuts shot upward with a steel BGA86 brushless quiet professional yet homeowner friendly battery powered leaf blower. It's really something you gotta see it. There's still a lot to learn about how this coordination is accomplished. So scientists are planning to fit a number of eels with radio tags to track their movement. Sounds like the type of eel handling that you could call... Shocking. A couple more parting electric eel facts for you. Alessandro Volta, the scientist who invented the battery, and after whom the Volt is named, got the idea of a self-contained electrical source from observing electric eels. So all you tech bros whizzing along in your Teslas right now, how's that for sexy? And finally, one mystery remains. How do eels so close together manage to shock their target fish without shocking each other or themselves? Nobody knows. Or rather, nobody knows yet. Moving on. 
unfortunately, to the poaching desk, which is working overtime. Idaho Fish and Game has had a big, non-big game season. Recently tipped off to a wounded mountain goat nanny just south of Hell's Canyon, near the border with Oregon. The female was carrying two crossbow bolts, one in her throat, one in her left shoulder, preventing her from eating or drinking and severely inhibiting her movement. Fish and game officers decided to put her out of her misery. When they reached the goat's body, they found a wound across her forehead, as well as another bolt nearby. It hardly needs saying, but this makes me sick. Such a waste. So much unnecessary suffering. And stories like this inflict so much damage to the reputation of all upstanding hunters with the general public. Mountain goat hunting opportunities are extremely coveted. What's more, the loss of a female goat has longer-lasting implications on that herd than that of a billy. So, you son of a gun, if you are listening, you shot a mom, you made her suffer in a terrible way, and you need to have your toys taken away. Another highly coveted species, the bighorn sheep, can get the best of a poacher. Last week, Idaho Fish and Game released a statement concerning the almost conclusion of a 2017 violation in Oahe County, which is the least populated county in Idaho, and so underpopulated, the area has been proposed as a federally designated wilderness. A Parma, Idaho woman drew the only tag for the southwest corner of the state, yet she and her husband turned in two bighorn rams. Quick aside, even if you find a deadhead while hiking, something you and nobody else killed, you have to take the head into Idaho Fishing Game so they can put a plug in it, which is taking a horn core sample, This system helps prevent the sale of sheep heads and keeps track of the populations. Montana just recently switched to this system. Years ago, in my youth, I found a great bighorn on the side of a mountain and mentally twisted myself into knots because I wanted to keep that skull so bad. However, it was illegal at the time. I hatched a plan right there on the side of the Montana mountain to drive that skull over to the Idaho border claim it as an Idaho ram, get it plugged so I could keep that trophy skull. Of course, I chickened out, or if you're feeling generous, you could say I knew it was wrong and left that beauty of a skull on the mountain as it was the right thing to do. Years later, while confessing my moment of weakness, I was told that the Idaho fishing game would have been able to tell exactly where I found that ram due to the extremely limited genetics of Rocky Mountain bighorns. The uh, genetic pool is a shallow one. Anyway, the incredibly fortunate tag holder bagged her ram in late September. On October 6th, the tag holder's husband and hunting partner turned in what he said was his wife's ram to Idaho Fish and Game. It was documented, plugged, and away he went. In February of 18, Idaho Fish and Game was alerted to the fact that the ram was not actually a the, but a them. As there was only one tag and one hunter, that was a problem. The couple was investigated, and both the electronic data, as well as a preserved cape, which is the hide you would use to make a shoulder mount, told the tale of not one, but two sheep. A ram killed September 23rd, and a ram killed October 1st. Now for the prosecution. In an interesting turn, the tag holder was not charged. The helper and husband received the illegal possession of a bighorn sheep, 
a $10,000 civil penalty, along with processing fees, court costs, and fines amounting to $1,125, a six-month jail sentence, which was suspended in lieu of two years unsupervised probation. The husband's hunting and trapping privileges, together with an outdoor guide license, were revoked for seven years. This revocation of privileges extends to 48 other states, all members of the Interstate Wildlife Violator Compact. Further, as a condition of his probation, he may not accompany anyone on any hunting or trapping excursions or be present in the camp of a hunter or trapper. If he were to violate, he would earn a six-month stay in the Canyon County Jail. Now, it's hard to speculate what the circumstances were that the person who held the tag, and ultimately, in my opinion, the responsibility, is not charged. Hard to speculate on the current condition of the marriage as well. Idaho is a -a once-in-a-lifetime tag state. Moose, bighorn sheep, mountain goat tags are a one-and-done situation, you could say. If you draw a tag and successfully fill the tag, you can no longer apply for that tag for your lifetime. You're out of the draw, which kind of has a little asterisk by it. I should say you're out of the general or non-resident pool draws. There are some goofy things that apply for like the super wealthy folks where they can just purchase an additional tag. And, uh, you know, I guess it applies too if you're a poacher. But for the sake of argument, once in a lifetime makes people do strange things. Maybe the husband had intended to hunt his wife's tag all along. We just don't know. Sticking with poaching and moving over to Georgia, the poached species in question is a little more common, but the violations are similar in the fact that it's a little sickening and frustrating. 28-year-old Seth Strickland and 34-year-old Dennis Roberts were charged this month with a host of deer poaching violations, as well as drugs and weapons charges. After arresting Strickland and Roberts, officers from the Georgia Department of Natural Resources confiscated 69 sets of deer antlers, and the two men are now also under investigation for violations that took place in Tennessee. Allegedly, all of these deer were just left to rot after their racks or heads were taken. Now, I don't believe anyone is beyond redemption, but as we've discussed before, the penalties for heinous wildlife crimes, such as this one, can seem frustratingly light. So there is part of me that's glad for those drug charges that Strickland and Roberts face. It may be a strange moral system in which possession of a few ounces of a controlled substance is punished more stiffly than wasting the life and meat of 70 animals. But if these Georgia poachers happen to pay more for the sum total of their crimes, at least there's a little more justice in that. Quick question for you. Why is it that people breaking the law are seldom only breaking one law. You are without doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of. But you have heard of me. Anyway, 28-year-old John Blick Jr. of Sharon, Kansas, recently pled guilty to 139 separate counts of poaching-related crime and was sentenced to 14 months in prison, plus hunting privileges revoked for five years. Blick had killed both whitetails and mule deer for a total of 60 animals altogether. On top of his stretch in prison, Blick will also have to pay $342,641 in fines and restitution, which I'm going to bet he's going to have a hard time coming up with. And let's be honest, when someone has 139 separate counts of poaching, five years of revoked privileges probably won't mean much either. 
My quibbles about the justice of the sentencing should not take away from the spectacular work on this case by Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism wardens. Jason Harold, Scott Stoughton, as well as a key member of the team, canine officer Gypsy. Dogs have proven essential in poaching cases, so if you're keeping score in the eternal contest between cats and dogs, it's not looking so good for the felines. Oh, really? Come on, you never heard of a guard cat? Oh, a bomb-sniffing cat? Oh, a seeing-eye cat? See, that's why I like dogs. Dogs have jobs. Moving on. A new world record has been set for a very unusual doe. Michael Lalon Jr. of Oak Harbor, Ohio, was out hunting in the Ottawa National Wildlife Refuge, which is not in Ottawa, Canada, but rather in Ottawa County, Ohio, when he saw a buck with a very weird set of headgear. The deer walked within 20 yards of his stand, and Lalon's aim was true. These antlers weren't just asymmetrical, they were also still covered in velvet, despite the fact that Lalonde was hunting in October. On top of that, this antler deer was not a male, which was officially confirmed by local wildlife officer Reed Van Cleve, who, as I just said, confirmed that the deer in question was actually a doe. Can't imagine that took much time. Although there are certain rare deer who are either semi or fully hermaphroditic, meaning they have both the reproductive organs of both male and female deer, there are some anatomically female deer who nevertheless grow antlers. Their ovaries and adrenal glands produce enough testosterone to slowly grow the antlers, but not enough to cause the velvet to peel or to cause the antlers to drop in the winter. Because the antlers aren't shed, they grow season after season. This is very rare, and especially rare for a true doe. That is, a deer only with female sex organs. So rare, in fact, that when Buckmasters took out the tape measure, they deemed Lalonde's deer the biggest velvet antler doe ever taken, which will be a hard one to beat, although the captive servant industry may have just found a new trophy market. Anyway, who doesn't love a world record? Thanks, I hate it. That's all I've got for you this week. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, be sure to let me know what's happening in your neck of the woods by writing in to A-S-K-C-A-L. That's askcal at themeateater.com. Thanks again. I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I. Venison.com. 
and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order.